everyone, and welcome back to season three of the Eccles Business Buzz podcast. I'm your host, Francis Johnson, and I'm so glad you've joined us as we continue to explore the topic of continuous curiosity. This season, we're talking about what curiosity is, why it's so important, and what roadblocks sometimes prevent us from being curious. We'll also hear from some people who have pursued their curiosities into new degrees, new professions, even new passions. I'm happy to welcome here Jason Sloan, who's the Director of Executive Education here at the David Eccles School of Business, as well as Brooke Lenzen, who is Senior Manager of Executive Education here at the Eccles School. They're joining us today to talk about the different courses and opportunities that are available through executive education and how exec ed can help people explore an existing curiosity or discover a new one. Jason and Brooke, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having us. We're excited to be here. I thought maybe we could get started with an overview of executive education to lay the framework. So tell us about the goal of exec ed and what kinds of courses and opportunities are available. Yeah, thank you, Francis. The goal of exec ed is to provide individuals, both in senior level management, middle level management, or those looking to become a manager, the opportunity to continue to grow themselves into their career. We offer a number of executive leadership classes, which include areas like leading with ethics and emotional intelligence or high-performing teams, mastering strategic leadership, the strategy of negotiations and influence. And these are open enrollment courses that anyone from any organization can come take. What we also do is we work with organizations to develop custom programs, which may take some of those same topics or may be more customized directly to areas of need or concern within their organization or for their leadership team. So I think sometimes people think executive education, I'm coming back, I'm getting a full-time degree, usually an MBA, but it's a lot more than that, right? We're not only talking about people who have the time or even the money to come back for a full-time degree. There's a much broader scale of opportunities available. Yeah, we aim to be a resource for the business community here across the state, really. We take the content from our prestigious MBA professors that teach in both our executive MBA, online MBA, professional MBA, and full-time MBA, and package that into uh, short classes. So our typical open enrollment class is a two-day class, a Thursday, Friday, and individuals can come and take one class in an area they're interested in. So for example, today we have our finance for the non-financial leader taught by a, a wonderful professor, J.B. Henriksen, and um, we have a, a number of people here taking that, and they range from senior VPs to controllers to an area manager that just wants to better understand their P&L statement for their area. And then we also do cohort classes. So we have women in leadership class where we put together a cohort of about 20 to 25 individuals that sometimes are high-performing individual contributors that want to take that next step into leadership. And what we're here to do is help individuals, whether they're already a high-performing leader as a senior level or someone that's interested in developing into that kind of role. I want to get into sort of the reasons why people pursue executive education. And a big one is, you said, Jason, I want to grow into a new position or grow in the position that I'm in, increase my skill either to advance or to do better where I am. Brooke, talk to us a little bit about some of the other reasons that people might pursue a certificate or a course or even a degree through exec ed. 
Absolutely. So I think one thing that goes off of the continuous curiosity is we never stop learning in our lifetime. Learning is not a destination. It's really a journey. And what executive education provides is the opportunity for people to be lifetime learners. We have individuals that not only receive promotions or additional compensation in their careers, but they gain so much personally as well. We have our MBA programs that are offered underneath executive education for those seeking a degree, but we also have the non-degreed certificate-based programs that allow someone to upskill in certain areas that provide them that next step in their educational journey and provide them the opportunity to really increase their curiosity and grow as leaders, both personally and professionally. Are people ever coming to executive education with a problem that they're trying to solve, some workplace dynamic? What other barriers or challenges are people looking to address through an experience with executive education? I mean, work is messy. Life is messy. And so we'll have people that will come with a challenge of they're taking on a team that has been there 10 plus years and they're brand new to the organization. So that could be a common challenge they have. Or now stepping into a leadership role where they're managing a large budget and have never been trained in an accounting and finance side. And so people will come with a wide variety of different challenges. And what's really exciting is it's not just about the professor's expertise, but the networking and engagement they're able to do in the room to provide them those different perspectives and those different opportunities to learn from one another in addition to learning from the professor. And what a great catalyst for curiosity, not just the course material, but this opportunity to build a network and meet maybe a different type of person or a different group of people than we would encounter otherwise. Absolutely. You know, one of the amazing things about these classes and the professors that we've selected to teach in the program, they do a really great job of taking the academic side and putting it into the real world scenarios and taking the examples that individuals bring into the classroom and using those examples that everybody can learn from. One of the things that's really opened my eyes as I've been in this role coming from outside industry is how much the challenges that we face within our organization really are similar across many different types and industries. A lot of times it's relationship, it's working across that team. A lot of times it's around growth and change, leading change, managing a moving target. I think we've all experienced over the last couple of years, the changes and the forced changes that we didn't expect. And it's continuing. And what we hear from many of our custom clients is the organization has been stressed and challenged. Individuals are burned out. How do I re-engage them? How do I help them move through this burnout that a lot of people have had and help them take on new opportunities and new challenges? And the upskilling part is a big piece of that that we're able to help them with. Brooke, I love what you said, this idea that the workplace is messy, right? We're dealing with our personal lives, our professional lives. They all mix together, especially in this post-COVID age where we've got kids in the background of our Zooms and all of these things that are new and we're all trying to manage. Of the challenges that people come to executive education looking to solve, one of them could be maybe barriers to curiosity in their workplace. And we've talked 
this season with other guests about how these can come from any level. You could have a leadership suite that is just not interested in fostering that. You could have employees who are maybe scared to behave in a curious way. As students come into your programs, what are some of the barriers to curiosity that you are seeing them address? Yeah, I think some of it is lack of support or maybe communication from their leaders. So in creating that space for curiosity, what the research is showing is curiosity is what is going to help grow industries and create a space for innovation. But a lot of the times, curiosity can be very challenging or scary for organizations to take on as a new initiative because it doesn't have the boundaries or the cut and paste answer, like a lot of things that maybe implementation of processes in the past have had for organizations. And so I think creating that space for curiosity really comes from a leadership standpoint. And it doesn't necessarily have to be at the top of your organization, but even creating that space for curiosity on your own team. So what does that look like? A lot of it can come from asking questions looking at different research of what other organizations are doing, how are they providing this space for curiosity, and learning. The best way to be curious is to continue to have that mindset of wanting to learn. Because if you're learning, you're creating a space for growth. And that's really where the fundamental curiosity comes from, is creating that space for growth. And just to add on to that, when talking about barriers, I think one of the biggest challenges we hear from individuals and organizations is time. We don't have the time to either give them a couple days off or we don't have the time to invest, that they've got their day-to-day job. But when you think about it, for any area of expertise or improvement, you always have to invest that practice. You have to invest in yourself and that development. And when organizations take the time to do that, they see tangible results. And that is something that we do hear from organizations, especially Gen Z, as they enter the workplace. They're used to learning in different ways, in different modes. And continuously, whether it's through YouTube videos or TikTok videos or online learning, in addition to in-person in class, they want to know that they're going to continue to be invested in and that they're going to have an opportunity to grow. It seems like there really is a tension for these organizations. You've both talked about almost the risk of investing in curiosity, but organizations also say, we want curious employees, right? We want you to be curious. We want you to keep learning, but we don't want to give you the time off or we don't want to assume the risk of some experimentation. We've talked around the edge of it a little bit, but really what are the benefits? Why is curiosity an asset that these companies should be willing to invest time or resources into? I think the main one is new ideas and the innovation. When you give someone space to be creative and to think and to learn from others and to learn new content that they may not be getting in their current environment, in their current job structure, They'll hear something that was successful at another organization from someone in the class. They'll hear something from a professor who learned something from their MBA student that they just taught the night before and shares that. It's that coming together of ideas that will bring something new and unexpected. I think we all know many examples that we hear across various industries where 
it was two people that were walking across the hallway from two different divisions that ran into each other. And somebody said, oh, what are you working on? I'm working on this over here. Oh, that kind of reminds me of this. And then next thing you knew, a new product line was developed. So giving people the opportunity to explore that and then bring that back into the organization, we have a tendency when we're just in our own little microcosm to repeat and do the things we know, not to try new things. This helps people expand their horizons and gives them the opportunity to pluck those new ideas and develop some portion of those to bring their new ideas back to their organization. And we've seen examples of that, as Brooke mentioned, from a number of organizations that have seen promotions, have seen growth in their career that help their organizations take on that next challenge. For instance, we have a client that's really focusing on trying to get more women into the workplace, into their field specifically. And so they're trying to look for unique ways to incentivize women to work on drilling sites. And so what is the competitive advantage of that? Now they're opening to a whole new market of individuals that may come work for them. And by creating that space for curiosity on what are the barriers that are currently in the way, they'll be able to impact their bottom line and get new employees that they maybe haven't had in the past in maybe these untraditional realms of work. So I think you can see that competitive advantage in your marketplace that you wouldn't have had before. I don't know if you guys were able to come when Ryan Smith was here. So Ryan Smith is the founder of a a user experience company here in Utah called Qualtrics and also the owner of the Utah Jazz. And he talked a little bit about this and I thought it was so interesting. A student asked him, when you are hiring people at Qualtrics, what are you looking for? And one of the things that he said was, I'm not just looking for a person who can do the job that I'm hiring them to do right now, but I'm looking for someone who can do the job that I need them to do two jobs from now. I don't want them to just cap out at what I need right now. I want someone who can keep growing with the position, which I think is really the definition of curiosity in the workplace, right? And this is another asset that curious employees can bring is I don't only know how to do what you need me to do right now, but I have either the skills or the desire to gain the skills, you know, as the job changes and grows around me. Yeah, I was at the convocation when he spoke. The other thing he mentioned that really stood out to me and someone asked him what is, I think, the one of the most important things for being successful in the workplace these days. And he said, be a fast learner. And I think what he talked about with someone coming into a new role, thinking about two steps ahead, but also how to solve the challenges that he doesn't know are going to come up. But he's hiring the people that he knows when those challenges come up, that individual will be able to do that. And that really is about curiosity and, and that lifetime learning and developing those new skill sets that you can be able to apply those. And the other thing I would mention is it's not just the organization responsibility to develop those skills. It's on each individual to develop those skills. Almost every organization in the Valley that I know of or across the state of Utah has some sort of investment in their employees, tuition reimbursement or money set aside for individual development every year. I know some companies provide up to $5,000 a year for an individual to go out and seek those classes. And if it's a resource available that you're not utilizing, you're missing out on opportunity to feed that curiosity that I know almost everybody listening probably to this podcast has out there. Yeah, that's a great point. This has also come up in the season that 
we put a lot of responsibility on our employers, right? What are you going to do for me? And I think that is an important shift in the workplace, probably something that is coming out of COVID, right? We're not just here to make you money at the expense of our physical and mental health, but being a curious lifelong learner is also about saying, as an employee, what am I going to do for you? How am I going to keep growing for you and for the organization? Brooke, let's talk about some of the other goals that companies in particular that partner with executive education have as far as creating a curious environment, a more inclusive environment. What are some other examples of reasons that companies would come to partner with exec ed? Yeah, that's a great question. So lately, we've been talking a lot with organizations about the importance of getting their leaders to understand that change is constant and it's a continuation. And how do they prepare for change, be agile through change, and then still be able to lead their teams effectively? It's those softer skills that they're struggling with. Like Jason mentioned earlier, you go to school, you learn how to become an engineer, you learn how to do certain skill sets. But what is not taught maybe naturally to people is how to be a leader and how to grow as a leader in an organization. And so we're seeing a wide variety of challenges that they're facing from retention to um, diversity inclusion. And really it comes down to how do we train our leaders to be leaders of people, understanding the person as a whole, Like we saw at the start of COVID, imagining having a meeting with your boss, you generally don't think of that meeting maybe being in your bedroom That's because that's where your office is. Or I had one of my colleagues, she had to have all of her calls in a bathtub because her kids would be crazy elsewhere in the house. And that's a very vulnerable time. And I think what that's opened up is people realizing that we have to lead people as a whole person. And so what we're seeing now is people trying to figure out not just leading the person at work, but leading them as a whole person, which means that work-life integration, it's not simple, it's messy. And so that is what we're trying to enable leaders and work with a lot of companies on right now is it's that whole person that we're looking at. It's not just the specific skill set. I love what you said, Brooke, calling it work-life integration. It's not always a balance, right? We think of balance as equal. Everything is getting equal attention, equal worry, equal time, and that's not really realistic. It seems to me that in this category of soft skills is also the skill of being able to say, okay, over a longer term, not just today is my time divvied evenly, but this week, this month, this quarter, what are my goals? What's important? And now how do I really integrate those pieces? That's a skill too that we don't always have when we're starting our careers. We heard from a professor last week, Dr. Claudia Geis. She works on campus here at the University of Utah, and she was talking about work-life balance. And I hear this from a lot of different professors that when you think of balance, you think of a scale that's not moving, right? There has to be one weight on one side and one on another, and there's nothing moving. 
that's not life. That's exactly why there's a work-life integration, exactly why a lot of people are changing their mindset to being a work-life rhythm, because there's always going to be change, just like we're talking about in our classes. Change is constant. And so preparing yourself for the change means that there's not a balance and that's okay, but it's about finding that rhythm. And that rhythm doesn't end when you walk into the office, right? That rhythm is still there. It's there 24-7. And it's going to change as individuals change and as their lives change and their priorities change as well. And it seems as a leader of an organization, understanding people's individual rhythms and being accepting of that is also a way that I build loyalty in my workforce, I build engagement, I build productivity, right? I feel like the buzzword maybe six months ago was the great resignation. Everyone was quitting their jobs, walking out. And now we're hearing about this idea of quiet quitting, right? That I'm still here, I'm sitting at my desk or in front of my computer, but I'm not engaging with the organization So this acceptance of a rhythm from the leadership level seems like a way to re-engage people, not just in the goal of your organization and the bottom line and productivity, but also in being creative contributors. Yeah. What we're seeing from organizations that encourage that curiosity is that they build a a little bit of loyalty and that the investment that they're putting into the individuals, that they are getting retention from those individuals because they know that they're continuing to grow in the place where they're at. When people look to change, they're seeking something different, right? Something in that organization is not working. And, you know, the question would be, are they growing? I think that's what a lot of people are looking for. They feel that the organization is not allowing them to explore a new space, is encouraging them to grow, is offering them opportunity for them to seek out ways to engage that curiosity. I think that is potentially a antidote for some of the quiet quitting and great resignation that we've seen. We've talked mostly about individuals, employees, and organizations coming to ExecEd to help something existing where they are, right? I need a skill to move to the next level of in my organization, or I need a type of employee or a type of culture to move my organization to the next level. But sometimes people are coming to ExecEd to make a total shift, a career change, a big life change. Talk a little bit about that. What are some of the skills, experiences, opportunities that are available through ExecEd that could help someone who was really ready for a big sea change? I think we are seeing a lot of people rethink how and what they want to do for work. And so we'll have individuals come to us and want to get a certificate to help them upskill, to add that to their resume, and to be able to have that competitive advantage while they're looking for their next job. One of our flagship programs is our Women in Leadership Certificate Program. And for this program, I interview every applicant that comes through and talk to them about their career goals, whether their career goal is staying in their current line of work, uh, making that entire shift. It's interesting. They're really seeking multiple things when they're going into those positions. A lot of the time they are looking to expand their network 
and have that curiosity of, I've been in the tech sector for a long time now, and I'm just looking for something completely different. And so what they'll gain from some of our classes is that networking opportunity to be able to explore in a learning environment of what a different workplace could potentially look like. In addition, we see that individuals want to come and learn something or they want to get a new job. And a lot of the time, people aren't leaving jobs for the position. They're leaving it for their leaders. So go along with what Brooke was just mentioning. We hear from a lot of individuals, especially in our women in leadership cohort, that are are ready for that change. And it can be change of organization. It can be going out on their own, starting their own company. We get a number of individuals that want to learn that skill set that it takes to really dig deep inside and start their own organization or build their own company. And they may be hiring their first employees and have never led a team before. And so they want to know how to lead a high-performing team. Or they haven't run a P&L, but now they have this great idea for a business and they want to know how to do finance. Or public speaking, mastering public speaking. They haven't done a pitch before to investors, and they want to sharpen up their skill set on how to present, how to talk, how to get their ideas across. All of those things really feed into all of our certificate programs, but for the individual that's coming back and wanting to grow themselves outside of just the job, but into where their aspirations take them. And that could be jumping industry, it could be starting their own business, It could be moving up the ladder within their organization, but really it all comes from the curiosity and drive, I think, internally to them. I think one great example of this is someone the two of you introduced me to, Jen Hudak, who graduated from the University of Utah with a humanities degree, I think, an English degree, not a business-oriented degree, but had a business kind of on the side, a side hustle, and then really wanted to follow her curiosity to see, can this be a full-time job? Can this be a full-time business, but not having the skills to do that herself? So she came back to the Women in Leadership program and was able to really get the skills that she needed to grow that business successfully and make it her full-time thing. So I love this idea that the change we could be making could be in any number of directions, right? Maybe I've always been in tech and now I want to try something else. Maybe I'm, you know, just working a regular nine to five, but I want to turn my hobby into a business. Whatever change we're looking for or someone is looking for, it seems like there's a place in executive education to come and get the skills and get the network that I need to now move forward with that goal. Yes, I think that there's a lot of value in opening yourself up to embrace that curiosity. The other thing I want to reinforce that you mentioned is that the executive education courses are not just for people that graduate with a business degree. I myself graduated with a history and philosophy degree, and then I spent 17 years doing sales and marketing for a medical company. And it wasn't necessarily on my life plan to do that. But when I got into that career, that industry, I loved it. And then having done my executive MBA here and graduating with that in 2015, I just really felt kind of a calling to come back here and be able to foster that with other individuals. 
and help them achieve what they want to achieve, both personally and professionally, whether it's in the career they have now or the career they're aspiring to. If someone in any of those categories is interested in learning more about executive education, Jason, where should they go? They can uh, log into our website, execed, E-X-E-C-E-D, dot Utah, dot E-D-U. And they can find all the information on the courses we have available, as well as certificates that they can complete. They can also call the main number 801-587-7273, and one of our program coordinators will assist them with registering for classes. And we can answer any questions that they have and even help guide them on what classes would be most beneficial for the direction they're looking to go. Awesome. And I love what you said, Jason, because curiosity is also key in our personal lives. We can't really compartmentalize it. If we're curious in our personal lives and we'll be curious employees, if we develop these skills in our professional lives that allow us to feel safe exploring curiosity, then we can be curious in our personal lives as well that integration that we've talked about. All of which leads me to my final question, which is for the two of you, what do you do in your own lives, either your personal lives or your professional lives to stay curious and nurture your own curiosity? I'm a podcast junkie. So this is almost a dream itself to get on a podcast. I'm continuously listening to current affairs podcasts like The Daily or Adam Grant or Hidden Brain, just a number of them out there. I probably listen to three or four a day. And then after I listen to one of those, I shoot a text message over to Brooke with an idea for either another class or engaging with a professor or another way to promote our programs. There is so much knowledge out there and tapping into that is really my way to stay curious and to feed that curiosity and feed my personal growth I love getting podcasts from Jason. (laughs) It's a great way for us to also collaborate on the, on the different findings from those podcasts and being able to go back and forth on the ideas that we learn from them. I think for me, I started this position five years ago. I loved the University of Utah and wanted to continue working at the University of Utah. What I found from this position was the passion for education that I have. And really, it goes to that curiosity. There's always something to learn. Someone always has something to bring to the table, an idea that you haven't thought of before. And I think listening to podcasts, reading books, reading articles, engaging in conversations with individuals that are doing something that's different than you is just, it really sparks my curiosity and really gets my brain going on how could I implement that into my life? Is that something that I believe in? Does that go with the values that I may have depending on what the topic is? And so I think being open to the idea that you're always constantly learning in and out of the workplace from everyone around you just opens your mind to a whole new world that you didn't know before. And that world lies in curiosity. And so I think staying curious is the best thing that you can do to mentally grow as an individual. I can't wait to see what curiosity is sparked by these ideas that we've shared here today. I hope that our listeners have been able to think of some new changes, some new skills that they could also gain and and maybe even come through executive education to do that. Brooke and Jason, thank you so much for being here with me today. I enjoyed our conversation so much. And thank you to all our listeners also for joining us today for the Eccles Business Buzz podcast. 
If you enjoyed our show, please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember to leave us a rating and a review as well. We'll be back in two weeks with another discussion about curiosity, and I really hope you'll tune in. Until then, follow us on Instagram at Eccles Alumni for all the latest news from your Eccles Alumni Network.